Welcome to Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're at the beginning of a brand new series called Poised for Victory, and today we'll listen to the first part of a message called Possessing the Strength to Fight. Let's turn our attention and our hearts to Ephesians chapter 6. You know, sadly, I see a lot of, I would say over this last year, uh, but even beyond that, uh, just as a shepherd in the Lord, as a Christian in a country, part of the broader church, I have to say that I've seen and heard a lot of defeatism on the part of Christians. And that bothers me. Mostly because when I go to God's Word, I read verses like this, 1 Corinthians 15, which says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 4, 4 says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, the Antichrist, the false believers, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. When I read verses like that, even in the, quote, dark seasons of life, the dark seasons of a nation, the dark seasons, whatever you fill in the blank, we win. Actually, it'd be better to say we already won. Jesus has won the victory. Now, now, now the question then becomes, how does that victory begin to impact my life here and now? Because last I checked, there's some things we're still losing at. How does the victory, the optimistic perspective of Scripture, come to bear on the battles I'm facing in my own life? And if you think pastors get a pass on that, um, don't kid yourself. I can tell you over the last two days the weight I've felt, even with this message. Now, the great thing about being a pastor is you get a heads up about when a great message is coming based on the amount of pressure that comes before it. And so by those terms, we are going to have an awesome message today. But when it comes to this defeatism, whether it's about our personal life, our family, our country, the state of the church in our country, or the state of the church globally... I believe it's this defeatism is less about reality and more about confusion. Confusion about what type of war is really being fought. I believe it's about confusion about the authority of Jesus Christ. Jesus, before he gave the Great Commission, said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples. I also believe that th this is about confusion, about the mission of the church. Confusion more than reality. Now, remind me of something. Help me out here. Who is the person that is the expert on bringing confusion to bear on this world? So it seems to me that he might be interested in bringing confusion and defeatism that comes from confusion. And that's why we're going to be going into this series, Poised for Victory. To be poised for victory, we need to have five things right. We need to have the right empowerment. That's what we're going to talk about today. We need to know uh, the right enemy. 
We need to have the right equipment. We need to have the right expectations. And we need to have the right end game. And if we have those clearly in our sights, if we understand them the way God's word tells us, then we will be poised for victory and able to then pursue victory. Now, is it a victory that comes without cost? Is it a victory that comes easily? Uh, Well, the answer clearly from Scripture to set our expectations correctly is no. But we are poised for victory. And I hope that your heart will be filled with an increasing optimism as we go through God's Word. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 to 10 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. There is a great battle being waged around and against you. Jesus Christ won the victory over sin and death. That is a a reality that the enemy can never reverse. We win. However, there is a time between when the battle was won and when the full expression of that victory will become evident. And we're living in the in-between time with some battles yet to be fought and to be won. There's a great battle being waged around and against you. Maybe you're asking the question, well, if it's such a great battle, why can't I see it? Why can't I see it? Well, it's very important to understand that this war, this battle being fought, is a spiritual battle, not a physical battle. Now, you could say that most physical battles trace themselves back to a spiritual battle. Let me give you this example. You're asking, why don't I see it? Well, I guess I would compare it to this. If you think in our modern uh, day and age, this very year itself... If I were to say, is our country at war with someone, you would say, well, no, I don't see airplanes flying around. I don't see tanks going across my front yard. Uh, We are not at a state of war. But what if, if you've read the newspapers, you're also aware that our White House and other places have had cyber attacks, okay? Now, that could actually be more devastating than a plane and a bomb. But see, that's kind of the comparison with spiritual warfare versus things that we can see. All that cyber battle can happen possibly without anybody even knowing. But it's devastating. And if you as a Christian are living in such a way where you're unaware of the battle going on or you're ignoring the battle is going, that doesn't help you win the battle. That just means you're easier to defeat. And Scripture calls us, as we're going to be going through Ephesians chapter 6 and 2 Corinthians chapter 10, What does it mean to be a believer that's fully engaged in the war that I'm in? Now, if you remember back to World War II, I love studying World War II. You probably hear a few illustrations coming out of that over the next few weeks. There was a point at which, before World War II, where a super majority of the nation was opposed to getting involved in World War II as it already was in Europe. But there came a day after Pearl Harbor when, like to go to war or not, We were at war. 
And the question was, will we just ignore the enemy? Will we just put our heads in the sand, which thankfully our nation did not? Or am I going to engage, not partially, but fully? And I can thank both of my grandfathers, and many of you can thank family members or grandfathers for fully engaging, which is why we're sitting here not speaking German or Japanese and fully able to worship Jesus Christ the way we wish. Okay? Now, I want to ask you, there's people that are in your life that are at stake right now. There is your own family at stake. There is many things in your own personal life at stake. You are at war. The question is whether you are aware and engaged. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this uh, study. It's important for me to make this note, aware of the battle is not enough. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, if you're there already, I'm going to read ahead, not the passage we're going to look at today directly, but I want to read ahead. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the... Notice how many times the word against is used. Against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm you are expected to fight and poised for victory. You are expected to fight and you are poised for victory. God's word is not neutral. God's word is not asking you to sign up. It's telling you you're at war and please engage. The scripture is going to say here, it says to, having done all, to stand firm. Uh, You are expected to fight and you are poised for victory. That's the good news. Now, I want to give you the definition of poised. I had looked this up as I was putting this series together. Poised means this. It means self-possessed, dignified, exhibiting composure. It means balanced and prepared for action. This is Pastor Luke Aarons. Maybe you've been listening to Meeting with God and wondering, how can I embrace the gift of salvation and follow Jesus Christ? Or I have some questions about Jesus and the journey of faith. We would love to answer any questions you may have or help you in taking the next step of faith. Let me encourage you to visit our church website, verticalchurch.life, or visit one of our weekend services in Columbus near Route 315 and Henderson Road. Now, how great would it be if every person in this church could be defined as dignified, exhibiting composure, balanced, and here it is, prepared for action. See, that's God's heart for you. God's heart is not for you to keep a seat warm on Sunday morning. God's heart is for you to be engaged in the mission of the gospel in the middle of a spiritual conflict. That's what God's heart for you is. Now, some people are like, well, I don't want to do that. Uh, my, my, my best day is for the devil to leave me alone. I'll try explaining that to a lot of people in heaven. So what was your big thing on earth? Well, I hid in a corner. You mean like while the rest of us were giving our lives for the sake of the gospel, you were sitting in a corner? Yeah, because then if I figured if I just go eat chocolates in the corner, the enemy will leave me alone. He probably will. He's not going to waste his time on you. 
But that's not what Jesus Christ calls us to be, to be warriors, to be people of the gospel of Jesus Christ who want to bring a message of salvation in the midst of conflict. And I hope your heart is to engage, poised, poised for victory. Now maybe you're thinking, well, how am I going to have this ability to stand firm? Or how am I going to have the ability, as 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, when it says that we have weapons of warfare with divine power to destroy strongholds? Uh, you might be asking, well, how do I find this ability to stand firm or to uh, destroy spiritual strongholds? Where do I get the ability or the strength to do that? How do I do that? Where do I get that ability, Pastor Luke? And that brings us right to the text we're going to be in today. I want you to look back. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. One verse today, and honestly, really one word in the Greek is what we're going to be looking at today. I think this is going to be very encouraging to you. I hope it is. Finally, that means after all that I've written to you already, to sum it up, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I mean, if you try hard, you could memorize the verse for the entire message. Not long, but loaded. I want you to hear this right from the start. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You see, victory is not about having better circumstances. Victory is not about having an easier enemy. Victory begins with being strong in the Lord and having a heart to fight. If you don't have a heart to fight, you will never experience all that is meant by being poised for victory. I remember reading a story. I have a book that's been so impactful in my life. It's the, um, ironically, it's the biography of a, a famous admiral in World War II, and I have been so uh, influenced by this book, and this man had an incredible marriage, which was something I want to grow in as I'm getting uh, older, and he, this man was separated from his wife for long periods of time because of his military service, but they had an incredibly close relationship, and so I wanted to study more about him. Well, uh, come to find out this man's career was um, incredible, and his wisdom was incredible in just in terms of leadership, and I've never, I just was so impressed by it that I, I want to keep reading and learning uh, from great men who have led in great ways through great difficulty. And as I was reading this um, biography, I came across a story. Many of you, if you remember back to, uh, you know, I don't know, junior high history class on world wars, some of you are like, did we even have a class on that? I think maybe. Um, there was a famous battle fought in the Pacific in World War II called Guadalcanal. And up until Guadalcanal, the Japanese had smashed us in every single land battle. Never had the Allies stopped the Japanese until that point. In fact, some people thought they were unstoppable. And as we began to engage in the South Pacific in an area most people couldn't find on their maps or globes if they tried, it's probably not even on your GPS, so don't even try that right now. A little island there in the South Pacific 
uh, we began to engage. And it was not a quick battle. It was over months and months and months in trenches and in malaria-infested jungle. This was not the glorious battlefield of Europe. This was a nasty terrible environment to be. And as the battle became more intense, the Japanese became more invested and the Americans became more invested in more and more and more and more and more lives given. But but the Americans were looking worse and worse and worse until there came a point where uh, the general that I've been reading about, General or Admiral Nimitz, um, made a hard decision to replace the commander in that area and put another person in there called uh, Admiral Halsey. Well, the story goes that uh, one man commented, one of the men, one of the Marines in the um, trenches, he said, we were fighting away, we were fighting away, we were downcast, we were malaria-stricken, we were defeated, we were discouraged, until we heard that Admiral Halsey was taking over. And within a moment of time, we were jumping for joy, we were fired up, we were ready to take it at the enemy, we were excited, we had forgotten all the other things. I think you could sum it up saying, he had a heart to fight. I want to remind you, Jesus is our admiral. And he has given us the ability to win the battle. But the question again becomes, do you have a heart to fight? Too many Christians are willing to pack it up and I hope Jesus comes soon. The kingdom of Jesus Christ is not advanced by feeble-minded people sitting in the corner eating chocolate, caramel or none. It's advanced by people who are willing to fight, to fight the right way, to fight in the power of an almighty God in the name of Jesus Christ for the glory of God, okay? And that's the heart behind what we're talking about here. In order to possess the strength to fight, it begins by realizing and embracing the fact that you cannot win this battle in your own strength. You cannot win this battle in your own strength Now, maybe as you're hearing me say this, you're saying, but pastor, I just read the text, and it says that we are to be strong. Be strong. Doesn't that that mean that we're supposed to have strength, that we're supposed to rally in our own strength? Make sure you read the whole verse, which says, be strong in the Lord. I want to introduce a Greek word to you, and dunamusthei. It's a word that comes from endunamo, which means to strengthen. Uh, the noun would be, I'm sorry, you're like, am I in school? Yes, you are in a school, actually. But um, um, dunamos, the noun, is the word that we get our word dynamite from. Uh, it means strong, power. This word drives the entire verse. This verse, one commentator said, verse uh, 10 in chapter 6, drives everything else that's coming right behind it and really becomes a key word in the whole book. I think you can see why it's important. But what does this mean that we cannot win the battle in our own strength? Here's the truth. We're not meant to. We're not meant to. Here's something I want you to see, maybe the most important thing you'll hear today. When it says in your text, and I made a little observation about this even in my own Bible, if you want to really grab a hold of all that the Greek is saying here, notice that it says, finally, be strong in the Lord. It's in the passive, which means, really it means, be made strong in the Lord 
and in the strength of his might. Be made strong. God is doing the work. I want to look up here for a minute. I, I know that many of you are perhaps coming to church today. You're discouraged. You're frustrated. You've had a hard week. You've had a hard month. You've had a hard year. You've had a hard decade. Okay, all of us come with our burdens to the Lord. But I believe that God's message for you in these minutes that remain is that God wants to strengthen you. And he wants to show you how he wants to strengthen you. He does not want you going about on your own string. God, I'm trying. God, I'm doing the best I can. And he's like, let me strengthen you. Let me strengthen you. It reminds me of the kid who goes to the dentist office and he's got a tooth that's hurting. Well, the worst thing the kid can do is what? Start grabbing for instruments and try to fix it himself, right? No, no, no. The best thing to do, as the dentist will say, is sit still, put your hands on your side, put whatever I put in your mouth, swallow it, and just sit still. I'll take care of it, okay? Now, that's what God wants to do in our lives. He's saying, be made strong. Stop grabbing for all the Red Bull and other things that you're trying to do to make it happen, to do it a little better. And if I could just, if I could just grab a little more, muster up a little bit more, I, I think I got, I think I... And God's saying, um, please sit still. I'd be happy to help. Now, this is passive, but I would call it a participatory passive. The goal of this word that I've shared with you is to give us a heart to fight, a heart to hope, a heart to yield and receive strength. It's to have a heart to partner with other believers. It's to have a heart to relentlessly pursue victory. You must appropriate the Lord's strength into your life. You must appropriate the Lord's strength into your life. I want to look at this word again in Deuteronomy. Four things about the word here that I want you to see. And normally I don't go into grammar. I don't think you always want to know that, but I think this time it's awesome. And I want you to grasp a hold of four aspects that come right out of this word. Uh, the first one is it's passive, and I told you that. What does that mean? Well, it means that God must do the strengthening. God must do the strengthening. Make a note of this, that Jesus Christ is the source of my strength. If I'm to engage uh, the enemy, if I'm into, if God is going to use me to impact people's lives, if I'm going to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ, I got to have strength. You cannot fight without spiritual, emotional, mental strength. You can't. You can't. God must fill you with this. The source, the source of our strength is the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm reminded of Paul, who was going through a difficult time, he was in jail. And he writes this in 2 Timothy 4, 16. He says, At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. Even his own friends deserted him. He says, But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. Most it says that the Lord strengthened him, was with him. You see, when Jesus Christ says, I will never leave you or forsake you, it's real. It's real sometimes we don't always see him. Sometimes we don't always feel his presence, but that doesn't mean he's not there. 
And maybe you're asking, well, is, how does this get appropriated? Who is the agent that brings this strength into my life? Well, Ephesians chapter 3, just a couple chapters earlier, verse 16, Paul prayed that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. It is the Holy Spirit that brings the source of strength to bear on our lives. The Holy Spirit. Here's the choice you have to make. The choice that every one of us is going to make every day this week and every day and every week and every month and every year for the rest of our lives here on earth. The question is whether we will be strengthened and allow God to bring that strength into our lives or whether we will try to be strong in our own strength. That's a battle you'll face. It's a thing that you may not even think through clearly, but for the rest of your life, you're making the decision every day, will I receive strength or will I try to be strength? You see, receiving strength implies humility. It implies dependence upon God. Being strength means pride. It means fool's strength. much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio, located at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Vertical Church is not only passionate about the preaching of God's Word, but also praying for God to work in the lives of those in our church, our city, and our world. If you have a prayer request, we would love to pray for you. Please take a moment and head to our website, verticalchurch.life, and visit our prayer wall. There you can leave a prayer request, either publicly or anonymously, and you can know that Vertical Church will be praying for you. As always, we hope to find you here tomorrow at this very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.